0: Welcome to this week's Investors Chronicle Personal Finance Podcast. I'm Lenora Walters and joining me today are Kate Bealy, Deputy Personal Finance Editor, Emma Ajimang, Personal Finance Writer and special guest Rachel Winter, private client broker at Killican Company. And unless you have no communication of the outside world, you can't fail to have been bombarded with the increasing debate and comment surrounding the upcoming referendum on whether the United Kingdom should stay in the European Union. The outcome of this could have significant consequences and even more so if you're an investor as it will determine the direction of markets, currencies and the UK economy. But the problem is there's no clear indication as to whether it will result in a Brexit, a UK exit from the EU. So how you prepare your portfolio for what lies ahead is far from clear. Emma, although no one knows exactly what might happen, there have been a number of predictions on the prospects of certain assets. So what are people saying might happen?
1: Well, the one thing that most people agree um, is likely to happen if the UK votes to leave the EU is that our currency will weaken. And the Goldman Sachs analysts a few months ago said that it could weaken, they estimate, from between 15 to 20%, which is obviously quite a big fall. But you've got to remember, if the currency does weaken, there's going to be pros and cons as a result of that. So companies, UK companies, that export to the EU are likely to obviously face headwinds, but companies that are exporting to the rest of the world are likely to you know, become more competitive because a weaker pound will actually enable them to sell more goods. So, you, you know, that's one thing to be aware of. So as well as currency, there's also the issue with um, fixed fixed income. And this idea that with the sterling taking a hit, government bonds in particular would do badly as investors worry about the UK's ability to maintain its AAA sovereign credit rating. But some of the other analysts we spoke to said that, you know, it's likely that the Bank of England would step in to support guilds. And, you know, possibly with quantitative easing, for example. And on the equities front, small to medium cap companies that have sort of focused towards the UK domestic markets are likely to take a much bigger um hit than their larger, more multinational companies um on the index. And that's simply because, you know, the focus towards the UK markets, the uncertainty surrounding what's going to happen with trade regulations, um, and various other things means they're going to find it more difficult. Whereas Big, larger multinational companies focused around the world are, are not so exposed to the UK and not going to be um, facing the same level of uncertainty for their their, their prospects. So that that's that's. the the various sort of predictions as to what will happen in those markets and those asset classes
0: okay well that's quite a range of things so um is there anything you can do to prepare your portfolio for these possible consequences
1: yes i mean the, the big thing really is international diversification so um if you if you have tended to be just investing in the uk it would be a good time to try and um, balance your portfolio a bit more towards overseas markets and um, stocks bonds um, some of the analysts we've spoken to said perhaps potentially even property um, so that's that's something to do because um, you can take advantages of, of opportunities in the rest of the world and you can um, reduce your exposure to any market turbulence that's going to affect the UK if um, if there is a leave vote. and the other thing that um, you can do is consider funds that minimise risk so that could be um, absolute return funds which are focused on delivering positive returns in all market conditions and with lower vol- volatility so that's another thing that you could do.
0: Okay and um, on on that uh, subject actually um, our fun tip this week in the magazine is on an absolute return fund so do check that out. That said some wealth managers are arguing against tinkering of your
1: portfolio ahead of a vote. Why? The main reason is that there's just so many unknowns. For example, I mean, we don't know whether or not the UK is going to, we don't know the outcome of the vote. We don't know whether we're going to stay, we're going to. we're going to leave. And we don't know what's going to happen if, say, we, we decide to leave with the, the arrangements that are come together with trade regulations and various things. And and analysts just say it's, it's simply too much uncertainty to be, to make a big call because making big calls on political events can backfire. I mean, we saw last year with the general election, some asset managers had decided to take the polls on you know, face value. There was going to be a hung parliament. That it was going to be a difficult left-wing coalition government. And they decided that they would prefer to sort of um, sell out of of that in that situation and actually it turned out to be a very different thing so it's something that investors need to be aware of that they can make mistakes and things can be a bit hard to call and so maybe it's simpler, better to just leave things as they are and and um, focus on the long-term perspective that's 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 what some analysts are telling us anyway Okay. Rachel,
0: what impact do you think the upcoming referendum and possible Brexit could have on markets
2: and investments? I think Emma's absolutely right in saying the main impact will be on the currency. So we've already seen quite a large weakening in sterling as we approach this referendum. And that makes it difficult to decide what to do for for new clients and investors right now. So investors who already have very globally diversified portfolios and who already have investments in the US and in countries where the currency has remained quite strong... I think they're fine and I think they should stay as they are. But for new clients, because sterling has already weakened so much, if those clients go into dollars now and then we vote to stay in the EU, then sterling will strengthen and those clients will then lose out on the currency. So I think it's a good idea to have some investments overseas, but at this stage I wouldn't be putting too much in. So I wouldn't be converting my entire portfolio into dollars right now. Okay. Um, And you're saying... um...
0: It, you know, existing people maybe if, if you diversified good what about people who aren't in that situation what are you advising them to do?
2: I think definitely buy some dollars but just don't go overboard and also I think looking at different market sectors I think probably the one that will be the worst affected if we vote to leave would be the financial sector so I'd make sure you don't have too much exposure to that.
0: Now, Emma was saying how easy it is to make a mistake because of the you know, uncertainty trying to call things. What would you say would be some of the main mistakes that your clients um, and investors should try to avoid making before the referendum?
2: I think, as Emma said, we really don't know what's going to happen. So it's so difficult to know what to do. But from my point of view, I think the mistakes would be to, to panic and to make very rash decisions and to dramatically change your portfolio at the last moment. Key. Okay. Now, one of the areas of the funds industry
0: for which a Brexit could have a serious consequence is exchange traded funds or ETFs for short. Kate, you've been looking at how a possible Brexit
3: might affect ETFs. Why would it be so serious for them? Well, there are quite big implications because ETFs are mainly domiciled in Ireland and Luxembourg, and then they get this free passport to trade on the London Stock Exchange. Now, normally shares that trade on the Stock Exchange would be authorised for trading here, so listed with the UK Listing Authority, and then they would also be kind of accepted by the London Stock Exchange, but there is an agreement within EU member states that funds which are domiciled, UCITS funds, which is a type of regulation, which are domiciled in Ireland or Luxembourg, can automatically be traded on the LSE. So the implication, if we left the EU, would be that there is an end to that automatic passporting. And the reason that ETFs like to domicile in Ireland is because it's far cheaper, it's quicker... Um, and just easier than, than doing it in London. So in the worst case scenario, they would have to list separately in London and that would have a big fee implication, which they could obviously pass on to us as investors in ETFs, um, or it might mean that they just choose not to do it, um, which would mean that we would have less choice. Is this definitely going to happen? Is this another sort of maybe or...? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, there is that is the worst case scenario. Obviously, the choice here is with the UK Listing Authority and the, and the LSE and what they choose to do about this. I mean, it would mean an end to this automatic passporting, but we could still choose to accept USIT's regulated funds. We could choose to accept foreign funds without them having to list separately. So it's more that this will have to be a discussion point going forwards and, and it's not kind of a done deal either way, but definitely something that is going to have to be negotiated if we do leave the EU.
0: Okay, so another murky area. Rachel, um, Kate's obviously just been talking about ETFs, but actually there's quite a few open-ended funds which have a, a Dublin or a Luxembourg domicile. What consequences could Brexit have for them?
2: Again, it's a very big unknown, and Kate was just talking about UCITS funds there, and that can also apply to actively managed funds. So if you've got a UCITS fund that's based here in the UK, that fund is allowed to market itself all across the EU. If we leave the EU, these funds won't be allowed to do that anymore, so they're going to lose out on a huge proportion of their potential investor base. And what we don't know is what will happen to investors in Europe who are currently invested in UK-based USIP funds. We don't know. It's likely the funds will have to move or change their regulations. But that's another very big unknown.
0: Okay, and presumably if they did do that, there might be more costs for investors? Exactly. Yeah, Uh, more costs involved. So
2: that would push up all the fees for investors.
0: Just thinking about UK investors for a minute, though, I'd say that probably most people in the UK invest in Unit trusts and open-ended investment companies that are UK domiciled, most people tend not to hold Dublin or Luxembourg domiciled funds. So is this actually a big problem
2: if like most of our funds are actually domiciled in the UK? I think for most people who invest individually for themselves, I think they probably are much more likely to buy UK-based funds. But I expect that most people do have some exposure to these USITS funds and these overseas funds via their pensions or other sort of indirect methods. So most people don't really know too much about what their pension is invested in and they probably don't look at where the funds within their pension are domiciled. So I expect there is some indirect exposure there.
0: Now, we've talked about ETFs and we've talked about open-ended funds, but would a Brexit have consequences for any other parts of the funds industry?
2: I think really the investment performance. I mean, the main part of the performance of a fund depends on what's in the fund itself. And if the market is falling and if currencies are falling, that's obviously going to have a huge impact on the performance of these funds. And another part is the the fund managers themselves. So because the UK is such a world-renowned financial centre, we have people from all over the world, especially Europe, coming to work here to work for fund management businesses. If we leave the EU, we might not be able to attract so much of that talent, so the performance of our funds might suffer.
0: Okay. However, nothing definite, so watch this space at least until the 24th of June. Turning to more solid ground, this week's Portfolio Clinic also has a European element in that the reader holds a number of Finnish shares and funds, although she is UK-based. Rachel, you are one of the experts who reviewed this portfolio. So first of all, in general, is it a good idea if you, based in the UK, to have foreign holdings?
2: Yeah, definitely. I feel really strongly about this, so I really do think it's well worth diversifying your portfolio across the whole world. So by diversifying your portfolio, You're lowering your level of risk. And also different countries tend to be more exposed to certain areas of the market. So here in the UK, we've got a lot of energy companies and mining companies, and those have been particularly weak over the last two years. So if you've had a purely 100% UK based portfolio, you probably will have underperformed over the last two years. Going over to the US, that's where most of the big technology firms are based. So companies like Google, Apple, Facebook, all of those companies have done incredibly well over the last couple of years. So if you've had exposure to the US during that time period, then your portfolio is likely to have done very well.
0: You can do that by buying... UK domiciled funds or UK listed funds. This investor's gone one step further. She's gone and bought shares listed in Finland and funds domiciled in Finland rather than UK based investments that invest in foreign things. Is that actually a good idea when, you know, you can have a diversified portfolio with UK based investments? I mean have any tax or cost implications to going and, you know, buying foreign listed shares and foreign domiciled funds?
2: Yeah, I do still sort of think it's a good idea so as long as your portfolio is large enough to allow you to buy a good selection of different overseas funds then I do think it is a good idea and by buying direct equities instead of funds you are avoiding the annual management charge so it could potentially be cheaper depending on on what broker you're using. Okay. Now, another striking feature of his portfolio brings me
0: back to um, a point you made earlier—that is, a high allocation to bank shares, in particular, Lloyd's Banking Group. Um, now, you said that could suffer from Brexit. So, you know, is it—is—is is it really? If you've got a lot of banks in your
2: your portfolio, is—is is that a good idea? Just now, is it? Should you reallocate? I would say that having a large weighting to any one particular sector is a bad idea because. You know, we can't read the future. We don't know what's going to happen to each particular sector in the future. So I wouldn't want to take too much risk by putting too many eggs in one basket. I think here in the UK, the financial sector is really our main export. So financial services are our main export. And I think that is the sector that would suffer the most if we were to vote to leave. So I'd be reluctant to have too much invested in that sector. But looking at Lloyd's, I think Emma was saying earlier that you'd be more confident having an investment in companies that get more of their revenue from the UK. And Lloyd's is actually a very UK focused bank. It doesn't have much investments overseas, it doesn't deal with many other countries. And it's also got rid of its investment bank, which was the most risky part of it. So actually looking at all the banks, I would say that Lloyd's is probably one of the relatively less risky ones. But held in sensible proportions. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yes. Um obviously right, it's not bad to have a let's say sensible allocation perhaps to a sector like financials but what kind of risk appetite should you have um you know even to have a you know a modest allocation to financial shares or funds
2: i would say that anyone investing in individual equities should have a relatively high risk appetite so when i'm looking at risk i'd say cash is the lowest level of risk then you've got government bonds, then corporate bonds. And for me, equity is right at the top. So I'd say if you don't have a high-risk appetite, you shouldn't be buying individual equities at all.
0: Okay, and you wouldn't say that financial shares, bank shares are necessarily... Are we
2: riskier, less risky than any other type? No, of I don't think or, I would. So I think yeah. it's very difficult to say that any one sector mm. is more risky than another. I think you can say that smaller companies are perhaps more risky than larger companies, mm. but sector-wise, I think all you can do is make yeah. sure you have a good exposure to a big range of different sectors.
0: A says high allocation to this area is because she has a banking background, so is familiar with the sector. Could you make an exception if you have an insider knowledge of a, a sector or should you still diversify even if you feel that you know more than a lot of people about a particular area or sector?
2: I think if you do know a lot about one sector, I think you could argue that perhaps you would be better at picking the companies from that sector that will do well. And also, if you are quite interested in that sector, if you've got lots of investments in it, then you're probably more likely to follow your portfolio more closely, which is definitely a good thing. But all the same, I I do think it is dangerous to have too much in one sector. And I can use perhaps the the oil sector as an example here. So that's been weak over the last two years because the oil price has come down so much. And there's not really one single oil company that has managed to avoid that. So even someone with an expertise in the oil market, they would have suffered too. Okay, yeah, that's a really good example, actually.
0: Uh, now, this reader hasn't actually sold any of our UK holdings for two years. Is a buy and hold strategy good? Or how often should you review and if necessary, turnover holdings in your portfolio?
2: I think generally, that is the best kind of strategy. So just to buy really good, really decent quality companies and hold them for the long term. So that's definitely what I would look to do. But all the same, I think it would be quite unusual not to require the odd sort of tweak every now and again. And the reason I would do that is to make sure I've got the right amount invested in each sector of the market. And because different sectors tend to grow at different rates, your portfolio can become a little bit out of balance every now and again. So you might need to make some alterations. And an example I'd give would be the technology sector. So that grows very quickly, whereas the oil sector, for example, has grown quite slowly over the last couple of years. So if you'd had oil and technology over the last two years, it's likely that your technology sector would have grown a lot more than your oil shares. So it might be prudent to perhaps reduce some of your technology holdings just to get it back into balance, I'd say. Okay, some really useful points there. That's
0: all we've got time for this week, so it just remains to thank Rachel Winter, private client broker at Killican Company, and Investors Chronicle Deputy Personal Finance Editor Kate Bailey and personal finance writer Emma Ajimang. You can read more about whether to revise your portfolio ahead of a possible Brexit, the likely effect of a Brexit on investment funds, and taking sector bets in this week's issue of Investors Chronicle on the website. Thank you for listening and have a good weekend.